In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi, everyone. It's February 4th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 119 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we are coming to you from... Not a sports ball event. Yeah, not a sports ball thing. No superb owls here. Because damn, it's cold. Really cold. Like, high. Cold. Yeah, and also, like, we do not do the sports ball. No, don't do the sports ball. Happy for everybody else who's involved in the sports ball. Yes, or whose team is involved in the sports ball. Yes, yes. There are lots of knitters that also support the sports ball. We just don't happen to be those knitters. Yeah, it's just not us. But uh, somewhere out there in the world, there are a bunch of knitters with a bunch of food stuffs in front of a TV, and they are happy. So that is good. So it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a little while. Um, not planned that way, obviously. Yeah. Karen and I have barely seen each other in the past, what, five weeks? Yeah, six, seven weeks. It was before Christmas. Since I don't think we had seen each other since you went away. For Christmas. Which was hot, FYI. Like, not not in the, you know, Tom Hiddleston way, but in the, oh my god, humidity way. In the, I didn't know my pores could produce this much, much sweat kind of way. In the, my hair has become another creature of its own accord and has decided that it's going to multiply kind of humidity way. <laughs> like, there, I tried. I tried straightening my hair down there and there was just not having it yeah we should clarify that you went to the bahamas for christmas i i probably should say something about that okay i went my fam my little family went down to the bahamas to be with my parents over christmas and my brothers came as well so it was all of the siblings back in the house that we grew up in type of thing for christmas and it was hot but okay (laughs) yes and oh my god so much food like, it became painful after a while. There was a 16-pound turkey for 11... No, not it wasn't 11 people. It was 7 people. It were, there was an 11-pound ham on the same day. Anyways, yes, there was <laughs> way too much food. Like, more food than was necessary. And I know that's hard coming from a hobbit, but it happened. <laughs> that is an achievement. That is, that is indeed an achievement. My mother got there. There was never, ever a time where we were not without food. There was always some sort of plate of something out for everybody to eat. Yeah. Meanwhile, here, it was cold as fuck. And we actually had a white Christmas this year. And we continue to have a white January. And as per the groundhog, we're going to continue to have a white February. Yeah. In case you notice a difference today, we are actually recording via Google Hangout because it's a gross day out there. Roads are not good. So, you know, we have technology. We'll use it. Yeah. It's a wintry mix outside. That's delightful. Which is like basically rain, snow, ice, all at the same time. Everything you want for Mario Kart, not for real life. (laughs) Okay, so we hope everybody had a safe and happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, stat holiday, whatever it is that you celebrate. I hope you got lots of yarny goodness. And if you didn't and you wanted to, you can sacrifice those people on the next blood moon. Yes, as you mentioned, like, we're not going to be trying to do, like, a comprehensive list of everything we've done in it <laughs> since the last time we spoke, because it's been a while. So yeah, it's been a while. Everything. But let's move into Adventures in Knitting and get this ball started. <laughs> okay, so it was sometime in... I'll start, obviously. I'm, yep. 
I'll just babble and get started. How about that? So sometime in December, when the Post Your Wish in Ravelry, Ravelry came out, and you can either post like a yarn that you wanted or a pattern that you wanted. And I asked for the next skein of yarn for a sweater that I was knitting for myself, because I figured, heck, if my husband got a sweater this past year, I'm making myself a sweater too, because I went through it as well. And I got spoiled by the lovely Awilda, and she sent me all of the remaining yarn I needed to finish my sweater, which Ooh. is the... This is one of the Tannis, not recipes, patterns. This is one of the Tannis patterns, and it's done in her yarn. So this is the worsted weight in mint, because mint was my thing all of last year. And uh, it's her Sunday Drive cardigan, which involves a shawl collar and a lot of garter stitching in the body, which, as I understand, does grow vertically as it is worn. So... It has, it is done, but it just needs to be blocked. I've got a little bit of a fuzzball hanging on to the butt end of it, but that's okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to put on, I'm a little bit nervous about putting on the buttons until after it's been blocked and worn maybe two or three times. But yeah, I, I probably really should do that before I go to bed tonight because I've been saying I'm going to block it for probably a week now. But anyways, yeah, no, I'm really happy with it. It's soft and squishy, which is what worsted weight is and what garter stitch is. So, and I still have time in the cold months to wear it, which is lots of fun too. I could wear this for my birthday coming up in March. So there's that. And I'm, I'm really happy to. The The pattern was not difficult. Uh, you just have to get kind of get used to garter stitch and just like it and just deal with it. <laughs> you have to really like garter stitch. Yeah. And for the Ravelry pattern Make-A-Wish, I actually didn't do this, but when I, I had sent, I had uh, fulfilled somebody else's wish and they turned around and looked at my favorites and sent me a pattern for my favorites list, which was Tannis's Luminosity hat. And I decided to make one out of all of my bits and bob ends. Hold on, let me see if I can get this in the light for Karen. There we go. That's a little bit better. Ooh. So it's a toque or a beanie or whatever you like to call it in your neck of the woods. And I used a bunch of palette that I had left over. And it was actually a really fun knit because you were always changing, changing the pattern to be something else. So um, it, yeah, it was actually kind of fun. I might make like make one of these in between projects and you know, come Christmas time, I'll have like a set or something that I can give to a family or whatever. Nice. Yeah. So um, I also got around to working on, especially while I was down in Nassau and I had knitting time. So I started the Daughter Air Sock while I was on a trip in Wyoming in September, but I didn't get very far in them. So I decided December was going to be my tactic of uh, picking them back up again because the Daughter Air Socks have are very chart in depth because they have a chart for the leg front of the leg a chart for the back of the leg and a chart for the foot so they're they're not exactly mindless tv knitting yeah and i got one done and this is in the dark harbor yarn that i was given i think it's called port um and i still have the other one to go so that is a work in progress that i am doing yeah that's but that's probably better like long haul particularly solo travel knitting or yes. like yes definitely of that kind sit down I, for quite a while no distractions listening to a podcast knitting exactly yeah i did finish patty waters uh zipper socks in mm -hmm. hurricane from feather your nest you remember i picked up that skein called hurricane yep at originally the, uh, i was going to give it to my, <laughs> originally i was going to give it to my father but 
I wound up giving them to my um, youngest brother because he lives in Ottawa. He would use them. <laughs> because as a matter of fact, when he opened them on Christmas Day and saw them, he's like, oh, yes. And I'm like, you are knitworthy. <laughs> That's always a good sign. To be fair, he lives in Ottawa, which is even fuck damn colder than it is here. Yeah, it tends to be quite a bit colder there. As for what I want to knit next, I still want to knit the uh, bonfire cowl with this is the blue brick and this is Sheldridge yarns. It is a one of the brioche patterns because it took me the longest time to figure out brioche and Sydney's the one that had to from our knitting group had to help me figure it out which was yeah. a real sort of like duh that's the way it should have been done moment so this is the blue bricks escarpment dk and it is in her and it is in the prairie storm colorway so it's got lots of oranges and yellows moving into browns and blues which i could still see this as flame colored and this would be the background which is a sort of muted very very warm gray color and the idea is that the leaves as you knit the cowl are burning and disintegrating and flickering up. So I thought that the leaves in this color would be really cool. And if you reverse the cowl, the leaves would be black cinders silhouetted against the fire. I thought that would be really cool. Have I actually gotten around to starting it? No, but that is on my, my goal, my list of things to do. I also have, I found myself in possession I don't know, a magic genie just stopped by in a taxi, threw this out the window and gave it to me. I swear. (laughs) Uh Yeah, no, really. I have, this is Marisol, and it is sort of purpley, purpley lavender, baby alpaca and bamboo. And I have a sweater's worth of this. And I don't know what sweater to make with it yet. Now, very likely, my sweater knitting is going to be put on pause until maybe, like, summer. Yeah. Because... I just finished one, so I'm like, okay, I'm good. I want some mini projects that are very short and gratifying. So, yeah, I got to figure out what uh, sweater I want to make out of this. But there's that. My husband is also griping on me. He is actually wearing his chevron gloves that I made him. He says he really, really likes them. But I did also promise him fingerless gloves. I'm like, oh, yeah, damn, forgot. Because they are (laughs) they are 75% done, but sitting in a bag. So, yeah, I do have to get around to doing that. So I think that's me. Okay, so as for me, I've been working on a few things in the last little while. Not a lot. So before Christmas, I was working on a uh, shawl for a friend of my mother's, actually. I was working on the Metallurgy shawl by Very Busy Monkey, okay. which is a shawl I've done before. Um, it's you know basically a, a basic garter stitch sort of crescent shaped shawl until you get to the, the bottom edge and then the bottom edge you knit on this really cool like swirly edging. And uh, so I was working on that for a friend of my mom's. I got, this was yarn I got at Rhinebeck. Um, I got the Neighborhood Fiber Company Studio Sock in the Georgetown colorway. It's a really vibrant, like dark, vibrant, like blue purple. And like, I don't usually, I don't knit a lot for other people, but like, you know, this is a, she's a really good friend of my mom's. She's really sweet. I knew she would be over the moon about it. And, you know, and she's been, you know, a really big, you know, support and help to my mom the last few years and stuff. So. So she is worthy. Yeah, she is definitely worthy. And like, I knew she would love it. The only problem was that like, for whatever fucking reason, I ran out of yarn. Oh, good Lord. Like with maybe like a third, a quarter of the, the edging left to go. So I had to order another skein, which turned out to be fine, though. I actually stopped 
working on the edging before I hit the end of the ball, like a little ways before I hit the end of the ball of the, the current skein, because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to, you know, alternate so that I can blend them a bit. But actually the, the next skein that I got, it was perfect match. That's awesome. Yeah. You couldn't even tell that there was a different dye lot or anything, which was great. Um, but, and it turned out to be just as well because pretty much everyone in my house got sick over Christmas. So like mom didn't, was hoping to give this to her friend for a Christmas gift. And she was sort of like, but I wanted to go to her Christmas gift when I'm like ran out of yarn. Sometimes patterns lie, you know, or even slight differences engaged, even though I checked. But then it ended up they couldn't actually get together until like the first week of January, second week of January anyway, because <laughs> they were both sick. Serendipity like yeah. that. So yeah, I was mostly for December, I was mostly working on that, trying to get that done. And everything else just sort of went by the wayside. There was, I forget if it was that, I think it was that project that I was working on when a bunch of us went into Toronto. Because I mentioned one day I was thinking of going into Toronto and stopping by Wonder Pens. And then Michelle was like, ooh. I would kind of like to go. And Sydney was like, ooh, I would kind of like to go. And Chris was like, ooh, I would also kind of like to go. So it turned into group trip to Toronto. And I realized um, after the we- Fellowship of the Wonderpins. Yes. I realized after we started off that like, oh, I only, I think I only have this one project with me and I can't really work on it because I'm running out of yarn. So I didn't actually have any knitting with me. So of course I had to buy yarn. Yeah, fortunately you're in a city that has a lot of yarn. Yeah, we ended up going to, we went to the, it was the day of the Purple Pearls pre-Boxing Day Boxing Day sale. Ooh. So I got some Richard DeVries yarn in, I can't remember the colorway name, and it's not here with me. Um, but it's like pink and orange and purple and blue and like all kinds of colors. And I'm making spring forward socks because it was an easy pattern to start off with when I was on the go train heading home. Mm -hmm. I just downloaded it to my, my phone because it's a, a free knitty pattern. So I started those because I didn't have anything else to do. And I've kind of been working on those slowly. I've only got one. I've got one that's almost done. I'm probably going to start the ribbing on the leg soon. I've, you know, doing it from the toe up. So that was just sort of like a back burner sort of thing. Having finished the shawl for friend of mom, I am now working on something for mom because she wants another honey cowl. Uh, that one's by Antonia Shankland. In this case, mom got the yarn for it, um, but she got fingering weight yarn and it comes in DK. So basically I'm just using the fingering weight double stranded. Mm -hmm. And I'm using fiber. It's from the fiber garden, the dye guy colorways. And it's just sort of like grays and blacks basically colorway. Because that'll go well with her coat. So okay. it's going well. The, the double stranding is a bit, can be a bit tricky. You just need to double check that you always catch the both strands. But I mean, I worked on it last night during a, a virtual knit night. And I worked on it today while I was over at Sydney's. And we were just hanging out. And like, I am just, it's already like six plus seven inches long. Nice. So there's probably not too much of it left. Which will give me more time to work on the mittens I am working on. Which is a pattern of my own devising. Ooh. Based on a thing. Based on a thing, even. Yes. Based on a thing, but I'm kind of working on them. And I I will keep mum about what it's based on until I'm actually finished and I can post pictures of it. On okay. Because there will be pictures on Twitter. Because there's people I'm going to have to, not friends of ours, but uh, there's people I'm going to have to at in my tweet about it. It's something super nerdy. So like, like you would expect anything else of me and I'm almost done one mitten I should really start the second so that I can get through the the two color ribbing and the 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 plain sort of part that goes up until like across the I'm not sure what this part of your hand is called base of the fingers uh, I have no idea I honestly have no idea either but basically top of up the palm in, basically yeah top of the palm because that's your heel the heel 
of your hand. Yeah, back of the knuckles. Yeah, yeah, basically up to the knuckles. And I'm just doing that in palette because I was looking for very specific colors, trying to get a very specific color match. And palette has the most colors, so they were the easiest. To oh yes, it does. Yeah. Oh so yes, it does. <laughs> so yeah, it was easy to get a color match on those. Other than that, I worked a little bit on the sleeves for my Lock Street cardigan week before last. Again with virtual knit night. I should really work on it more, <laughs> especially because I only have the sleeves at this point. I have not worked on anything else <laughs> of that sweater. And you know, it would be good to finish that during a time when one might actually need to wear a sweater. Yeah, like winter. Yeah. And there's like, oh, there's so many things I want to start. Extreme case of starditis. Yeah. Well, see, I haven't actually started anything. Okay. Well, one thing. Yet. Because <laughs> uh, when I went to Toronto earlier this week for the Ontario Library Association conference, I realized when I went to work in the morning, I was taking a half day and just going straight from work. I realized that I had forgotten to bring the next color I needed for the mittens I'm working on. So immediately my mind went to, I need more yarn, even though I had two more projects. <laughs> and then my brain was like, uh, no, if you really want it, you can get another set of needles in the right size for the mittens and you can start the second mitten with the yarn that you have. And then I met up with Rebecca and we went to Yarns Untangled and they had blue brick sock twins in the Aurora colorway that was calling me. So that happened. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So I basically and like Rebecca and I went back to my hotel room for the night ordered pizza and started watching Critical Role. And it like, basically, as soon as we went, got back to my hotel room, I took off my boots, ordered pizza and started winding the yarn. Yeah. So I'm doing the Carpe Diem Fingerless Mitts by Jody, by Jody Gordon Lucas. They're basically fair, a fairly basic um, fingerless mitt that just has like a little traveling vine pattern on it which I think will look nice with the gradient and I think when I get to the thumb I'm gonna do the thumb gusset up to the point where one would usually put those those ones on a those stitches on a holder yeah I think I'm gonna transfer those to another needle do the thumb the tiny little thumb bit first yeah and then do the rest of the hand so it kind of preserves the the gradient, the gradient. colorway yeah. Because just doing that tiny little thumb bit shouldn't use up very much yarn. So it shouldn't interrupt the gradient too much. So yeah, and then I have other stuff I'd like to do. I actually went through my stash and found enough fingering weight yarn in appropriate colors to do like a faded sweater. That'll use up a bunch of your stash. Yeah. Two guesses what color. Yeah, I'm not even going to guess. <laughs> That's okay. What color those it, that involves. Um, I'm probably going to do it a little, I'm going to do it a little different than the so faded sweater though, or the cardigan version of that, because with those ones, they call for increasing amounts of yarn as you go down the body or the, at least the, the, the yarns that you need, you need different amounts and you need more of later okay. ones up right. to like, you know, 500 yards or something in some, in my size. But I mean, these are all stain, skeins I just bought independent of each other. Yeah. So they're all basically like 400 yards. So like I would have to recalculate like where I need to do the color changes and then I have to match that on the sleeves and like, no, thank you. <laughs> it just sounds way too complex. So what I might do is use the similar sort of method to like transition from skein to skein. But what I'll do is I'll start sort of like in the middle of the gradient and do like a round yoke or like a top down, some sort of top down sweater construction starting in the middle of the gradient. And then it'll go to the darker end of the gradient on the body going down and then to the lighter end of the gradient going down the sleeves. So like right. typically if you hold your hands above your head, it would right. be gradient light to dark. Okay. We'll see that what it looks like. Yeah, that seems that seems reasonable. Yeah, I know. It, it seems like it would work. 
at least from the you know the theological and the you know theoretical theoretical and theological is yeah. a little different <laughs> yeah well you know some consider um knitting a religion but yeah so I, i'm thinking of doing that and we'll see how it goes i mean at the very least like it'll look intentional <laughs> yes it will oh just also as little like side notes of things i done that i've done and or got that don't really fit like you know won't bother saving for like geek squee or something so earlier this month just before new year i was in toronto because they had a concert that was jurassic park live in concert and for anybody who doesn't know jurassic park is way up there with beauty and the beast yeah it is one of those movies from my childhood slash teenagers as you may have noticed when you know if you look through in the archives my brother and i did a commentary for jurassic park but yeah so this was this was one of the concerts where they like they show the movie and then an orchestra plays the score live to the movie and it was amazing i was i, I was just so emotional and like at the end i li- like i literally was crying at the end when they started playing the main theme before the credits started and i was like oh my god my inner 13 year old is like freaking the hell out right now my 10 year old saw jurassic park for the very first time this winter and he said it was great except for the stupid lovey parts (laughs) like okay (laughs) yeah i mean and part of it too is like that score is like one of my favorite scores of all time and like i wore out at least two cassette copies of that score i listened to it so much so like hearing it live was just like oh my god and from the sound of you know hearing comments from people as they were leaving the theater like there were a lot of people about my age who were having similar reactions including like a few guys (laughs) like a few guys were like oh my god i'm crying as i'm leaving the place as we were leaving so it's like oh my god that was amazing and if it comes to you anywhere near you guys go see it or if, you know, there's other, I know they do it with other movies as well. Like, dude, this is an, this is an awesome experience. And then another little squee um, that didn't really fit other places. One of the things I got for Christmas was the Taldore Campaign Guide by Matthew Mercer, which is the world that he has created for Critical Role. Which is now in its second season, by the way. Yep. Yeah, which I mentioned in a minute. Well, which uh, we can use that to transition into Geek Squee with a little comment or a note for people. If you've been hearing us talk about Critical Role and you're kind of interested, but you looked at the number of episodes and how long the episodes were and was like, oh dear God, I'm never going to catch up. The second campaign has started. All new characters, all new setting, like all new environment. You do not have to have any previous knowledge at all. I mean, they make little in-jokes. That but that's exactly what thing, they are. But that's it. You don't have to know yeah. anything about... Because it's set in a completely different area of the world that Matt has created. It's on a different continent. Continent. It's like mm-hmm. 20 years after the events of the first campaign. So like... And it's all new characters. All of whom I love so much already. And there's only been... At the time of this recording, there's only been four episodes. Yep. So, like, definitely a little more manageable to, like, catch up. And another thing to mention, too, is they, they it airs live on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern. If you subscribe to Geek and Sundry's Twitch stream or if you subscribe to Project Alpha, you can see it on there again immediately. You can rewatch immediately. Um, everyone else, it comes out on geekandsundry.com and on YouTube on Mondays. And the episode is then being, will then be released as a podcast, audio only podcast 
the following Thursday. So like- Karen is the one that introduced this into my life. I have yet to find a way to get her back for it. (laughs) Rebecca was saying the same thing the other night. Yeah, so if if it doesn't work to watch it live, then there's lots of places you can watch it recorded. If it doesn't work for you to watch it on YouTube, then you can, you know, download the podcast and listen to it via podcast only a week behind and so then you can catch up from there and i'm usually i've been listening to re-listening to the first campaign now the first campaign is entirely available as an audio podcast now and yeah they're super long they've edited out the beginning stuff and any end stuff so it's just the episode itself none of the announcements beforehand or anything like that and um but the first campaign i've been listening to it at like 1.25 or 1.5 times speed so depending on how well you can listen when they're talking faster 1.25 should be fine for most people 1.5 might be a little fast for some people but like it depending on how well you can listen when the people are talking that fast like you can always listen to the episodes a little faster too the husband <laughs> has uh gotten into the second campaign and he says ford is his favorite character that's something that doesn't really surprise me no well considering that i married a southerner from yeah. georgia ford's got that redneck cowboy attitude <laughs> yeah I-, I kind of have a weakness for caleb <laughs> Oh, the 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 book loving the book loving human dumpster fire, yeah, yeah. Who is also, you know, the good dad of mm-hmm. the group, the dad. No, of the I, group. I still love the peacock dumpster fire. Yeah, I like Molly too. I love them all so much. I know. No, not no more, so that we don't spoil it for people. But yeah. Oh yeah, dumpster fire peacock. It's a thing. Okay, so moving into other geeky stuff. There's kind of a movie coming out soon that we're kind of excited about. It comes out on my husband's birthday. I am taking the entire day off. We are going on a lunch date and we are going on a movie date. Ooh. And I am so effing excited. So in case anybody hasn't figured it out, this is what the Black Panther movie that is coming out on the 16th of this month. Squee! Because, oh my God. The everything that's been leaking out or coming out or promoting for it has looked a maze balls yeah i am so excited for this movie Give the whole aesthetic and everything just looks amaze balls plus as we have as we can see the toys that are being released are including girls in the merchandising which is pretty awesome it does i mean considering that um so many of the strong characters in black panther are female female like the the bodyguard is entirely female warriors Mm -hmm. etc it makes so much sense and i'm glad that marketing actually had the sense or somebody beat the sense into them one or the other (laughs) probably the latter girls to have girls on the marketing on the packaging yeah so the uh shuri's strike gauntlets from black panther which are like what look like big cat gauntlets. Like it shows a little girl wearing them. And I'm like, yes! And that is on the outside of the box. That is not like on a little folded up insert and everything out like that. That is on the outside of the box. I'm like, yes! Yeah, I'm looking at it now. And it's like, it is a little girl of color. Yes, which is important for representation. Which is amazing. Like So that, you know, little girls everywhere, little girls of color everywhere can see themselves as as heroines. This is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I know. And I am so happy for all those. Apparently. You know, uh, all those like, girls and boys of color who are going to see themselves on the big screen as superheroes. I can't remember what town it was, but there was a town in 
the United States where a theater got bought out. So all of the boys and girls, um, the boys yeah. and girls of color of the area could go and see it, even if they couldn't afford tickets or their family couldn't afford tickets, they could go and see it and see the potential for themselves on the movie screen. Yeah, I think it was just a sec. Yeah, there's, uh, there's actually a couple things. There's a charity based in Chicago called the Go For Yours Foundation, where they launched a campaign so they can take hundreds of young people in Atla- Atlanta, Chicago, and Los Angeles to see Black Panther. Yes! Yes, yes, yes! Sorry, I sound like a bit like a Pokemon, but I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, at the moment, there's like 10 days left to donate to the fund, which is probably not enough time for this episode to come out. But like, there's still, but there's like four people have donated $4,000, $4.7,000 to donate to have uh, kids go see Black Panther. And then separately, by the looks of it, Octavia Spencer, the actress uh, who was in Hidden Figures and in lots of other prominent movies she has she's going to buy out a theater in somewhere in mississippi she hasn't announced where yet at least not by the at least not by the the article that i'm seeing here but she's buying out a theater in an underserved community to ensure that kids there get to see black planets and she doesn't she doesn't have a role in it you know she's not doing this even you know can't even make someone can't even make an argument she's doing this as like a promotional thing but because she's not she doesn't even have a role in it she just believes in it yeah, which is awesome. Have you heard about the plot via Rotten uh, Rotten Tomatoes for Groot to swarm it with negative oh, reviews? Yeah, I saw that. Ridiculous. Bunch of douchebags who are like, "Oh, we're gonna, you know, have a plot to like tank the to tank the um, the viewer rating of it at least." It was like supposed they usually it, have the they have the critic ranking and then they have the viewer ranking and they yeah wanna... they had um, stuff like hashtags DC over marvel or hashtag bring down disney and i'm like really you're gonna do this for God, a movie assholes. that jeez like seriously you guys are a waste of air if this is what you want to do with your life you're a waste of air go away let the adults you know do stuff but yeah. so far okay. the reviews haven't come out yet um disney's asked critics not to pub- not to publish reviews until february 6th but some critics have sort of given sort of general like first reactions and most of those first reactions People are like, this is amazing. Including like, there's, I'm looking at um a, at an article on Insider and they have sort of tweets from like different uh, reviewers that saw it. Most of whom, a lot of whom are, are reviewers of color um, and especially African-American reviewers. And they're saying like, this is amazing. This is, you know, exactly why, you know, representation is so so important. What the, what Wonder Woman did for the women's movement, this will do for people of color. It is important. For at least I should, you know, I should especially specify when, when we say people of color, especially in this case, it's, you know, predominantly like African-American, you know, there's still a whole bunch of other groups that are, that count yeah. as people of color that are still way underrepresented in movies. Yeah. But on the one hand... This is a big jump forward. On the other hand, lots of stuff still to do. So kudos, but also still working on it. Yeah. And also you can saw an article on Mary Sue for more Black Panther merch, including the uh, Funko dolls, which by the way, you can get the ladies. You can also get them as action figures from what I understand. But anyways, uh, the the Funko dolls you can get and uh, Box Lunch has partnered with Marvel. And whenever $10 is spent online via 
this special site, someone in need will receive a free meal via the, par- via the partnership with Feeding America. So this is predominantly in America, not in Europe or in Canada, et cetera, et cetera. But still, it is it is a way to do good while getting them really cool shits. And they have some pretty cool stuff. Like, you never knew that you wanted Black Panther socks, but now you know you do. <laughs> but now you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to see. Can't I cannot wait. wait to see all of the aspects of uh, different fashion and different things that are considered beautiful between what's done on the face what's done on the hair the colors that are used the metals that are used oh i can't wait yeah just the the entire like different culture and the way they've they've incorporated the way they incorporated you know traditional like or altered like cultural influences from various places countries in africa into the you know the created culture of wakanda and it's going to be so cool Love it, love it, love it. Anyways. And then speaking of recent movies, of course, like a month ago, The Last Jedi came out. Did you see this one, Maggie? I did not. There was talk (laughs) while I was down in Nassau that we were all going to go and see it together as a big family, and it just never happened. That's why I was like, all right, I will make my my mother happy and my son happy, and we'll all go to see it together. And just the days roll by, and nobody organized it, and nobody... Okay, fine. Everyone sort of said, oh, this is the thing we should do. But nobody actually said, okay, what screening are we going to? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that. I saw it a couple times. So how was it? It was good. I really enjoyed it. It was a bit long. Had to be a little bit long. It. I mean, it was, it's not actually that long. Time-wise, like, everyone's like, oh my god, it's two and a half hours. It's like, bitch, I sat through the Lord of the Rings movies. I was gonna say, is it Lord of the Rings long, or is it just... You know, no. and it's like most movies are like about two hours. It's yeah. just an extra half hour. It was mostly just that like there's a few times where it feels like, OK, so we're going to be wrapping up right about now. Uh, no, we're still going. So we're wrapping up right about now. Uh, no, we're still going. <laughs> I love how Lord of the Rings is now set as sort of like a bar that you have to work around. Yeah, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I fucking love the ladies in this movie. They get to be awesome. I've I've heard that. And they get to be awesome in different ways. And they get to be awesome. I saw some really interesting stuff. People talking about Laura Dern's character, who is a general. Like she is part of the military of the resistance. And she's got, you know, really nice curly hair that is like dyed purple. And she wears this really long dress. But she's also like a complete hard ass who doesn't put up with any male bullshit. Nice. And like is a leader and does, I don't want to be spoilery, but like, so I won't say exactly what happens, but she, you know, definitely like takes a stand and like, you know, shows, you know, strong leadership qualities and bravery and, you know, all these other things. And she, but she's dressed very femme. It's like, so yeah, you can, you don't have to be all like, I'm dressing, you know, and you don't have to dress in like a military uniform and try and look like a dude to be able to be strong. And which is something that, you know, you don't get to see a lot in a lot of movies. You can still be a lot of TV. feminine. You yeah. can still be feminine and still be considered independent and strong. Yeah. And still be in a position of leadership. And and we get to see like the women in the movie get to be strong and get to be active participants in the film in a lot of different ways. And a lot of active participants in the story in a lot of different ways. And I really kind of love it. And I know a lot of people, well... Let's say a lot of dudes were bitching about it, but y'all can go fuck yourself. (laughs) Really? More dude bro hurt? It's like, excuse me while I sip on my drink of male tears. 
I was gonna say male tears. Jesus, more butt hurt. It's like, oh hey, where was that thing? Where, where where's my give a fuck? There it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's also which doesn't mean like the movie is perfect and you cannot, you know, give any criticism of it, whatever, whatsoever. But like, you know, there's like there's reasonable criticism, and then there's brr, there's too many ladies in this movie, or it's like brr. Um, what was some, what's the other common one? Oh, Ray is a Mary Sue. It's like, oh, bitch, like, bitch, let me introduce you to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> well done. And it's like, and also, and speaking of Luke Skywalker, people are like, they're, they've destroyed his character, blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm, no, people are allowed to have flaws. In fact, that's what makes them people. Yeah, that was, that's what makes them interesting. So, okay. so moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, I have not Who taken... wants a group card again? Who oh wants a group? God. I want a group. I want a Groot. I want a Groot. This cardigan. Holy Isn't crap. It? I Isn't had not it? seen it yet. Girl, you know how I feel about Twisted Stitch Cables. I know how you feel about them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this Mary is... Mary Anarella, published in Lyrical Knitting. It came out in December 2017, so literally just probably six weeks ago. Yeah, it's called I Am Groot, Cardigan of the Galaxy. And it's done in Aaron weight, so you are not going to be working on it from here until the end of the universe but there is a nice big swath of what looks like it looks like a tree motif that is repeated and it goes like a trunk up the spine of this long cardigan and being done in what looks like something that's very bark-ish but it is literally called i am groot colon cardigan of the galaxy yeah it's wow it is amazing. The Cardigans of the Galaxy series is, uh, it is going to be a series of sweaters, but this is only the first one. So the next ones are going to be coming out little by little. <laughs> yeah, it says, Ooga Chaka, look for a cardigan each for Rocket, Gamora, Quill, and Drax coming up through 2018. And maybe 28, 2019, because you need time to knit them all up, and I'm not 100% a dick. <laughs> she so also says, right up. So tempted to write up the pattern page saying only, I am Groot. I am Groot. Slash sorry, not sorry. She sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it when people who are fun and are geeky also know how to do knitting. I'm really curious what the rocket one's going to be. Yeah. I am also expecting Drax to have some serious twisted cables on that. Ooh, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, actually taking a look, in, taking a look at her patterns. She's got a couple other nerdy ones. She's got a Stranger Things cowl. She's got a Harry Potter themed one that says always. Aww. And I'm seeing a few that I definitely have queued already. I know. <laughs> okay. And speaking of knitting stuff, um, of course, it has been Christmas. So I got a couple new books and I have got a couple books from the library as well that have come in recently. So like two knitting ones that I have. One of them is a library book right now, but I'm probably going to get it. And the other one I got for Christmas. I had previewed it because we got it at the library. Uh, the first one is Mittens from Around Norway. I'm really curious about that one. And it's 40 traditional knitting patterns inspired by Norwegian folk art collections. So there's a lot of really pretty mittens in here. Ooh, those are like these ones. Cool. Kind of an all over sort of star pattern on them. And like, there's a mix of like unisex mittens, mittens that are maybe a little more slightly more girly, mittens for children. There's ones with like cables on there's lots of color work ones Ooh, i see twisted stitches yeah basically when i got this book from the library i started looking through it and was like oh i want to make that and i want to make that and i want to make that and which I is always that. a good that's a good sign yeah. it's like mm, this is probably a good one to invest in and then one that my library just got in fairly recently is the 
Japanese Knitting Stitch Bible, 260 Exquisite Patterns by Hitomi Shida, translated by and introduced by Gail Rome. And basically it's a lot of stitch patterns, gorgeous, gorgeous stitch patterns mm-hmm. with charts. I see that. But and it's very, it looks very similar to my, my other Japanese the I should say like the layout and everything looks very similar to my other Japanese stitch pattern dictionaries. I've taken a look through and I can't really spot any that look exactly like the ones I already have. So I will probably be adding this to my collection. I wasn't sure if the, it would be ones that I already had, but had now been translated. But of okay. course, now it has all of the information on how to do the stitches in English as well, as well as some. There's a couple like small projects in here, too. Like there's a hat and socks and stuff like that. But yeah, there's lots of really pretty and pretty unique stitch patterns in here. So if you're someone like me who likes to like grab a stitch pattern and start making something with it or like designing and stuff, there's a lot of really cool, unusual sort of stitch patterns in the Japanese stitch pattern books. And one other thing I got, this one nerdy, along with the Taldoria campaign guide, I also got Xanathar's Guide to Everything for 5th edition D&D. And like, if you were a D&D player, I would highly suggest getting this book because like, oh my God, there's so much information in here. There's like new um, subclasses for a bunch of different, for like basically all the different classes. And a lot of the classes, they have like additional things to sort of think about for like character building. They have an entire huge section of like tables you can roll on to create a life for your character. So like if you want cool. if you didn't have like ideas for like backstory beyond their background, there's like a table you can roll to be like, okay, where's the birthplace? How many siblings did they have? You know, what was your family lifestyle? You know, why did you decide to become, you know, whatever it was your background is? Why did you decide to how did you become, you know, whatever class you are, that sort of thing. There's tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff in here for like DMs for designing encounters. Again, lots of tables you can roll on to like create encounters and stuff. There's new spells. <laughs> Next time I level up, I am using some of these spells, especially because I think I can't remember. I think it's next time we level up that I get finally get third level spells. So like needless to say, I'll be getting some from there. And there's some really cool ones in there. So yeah, short little book reviews. That one is an awesome addition too. Oh yeah. And also uh, with some Christmas money and with the, the Boxing Day sale at the local game store, I also got the Dungeon Master Guide. Karen's a happy little uh, D&Der right now. Yes. And speaking of RPGs. Yeah. There's a couple new ones to mention. Uh, One of which, both of these, one of them is a past Kickstarter, uh, which I was in on. And one is a Kickstarter, which has just started. The one that I was just in on is called Kids on Bikes. It's, you can find information about it at huntersbooks.com slash kids on bikes. And basically what it is, it's a collaborative world building RPG that's sort of emulates like stranger things goonies kind of aesthetic (laughs) basically like the theme is basically like kids in like the 19 vague 1980s you know pre-cell phone past we'll say getting up to shenanigans in small town so think of like you know a lot of kids movies set in the 1980 from the 1980s of like creepy weird things going on in small towns not quite as bad as stranger things yeah well i mean you can be Take well, it down to about a scooby-doo level well it depends on what you want to do okay like i mean if you really wanted to you could go really creepy or if you really want to you can do something much more 
you know, lighthearted, much more goofy. You know, basically part of the creation of it, like the players and the DM, like do the creation of the world and of the uh, the characters and everything like together before you start playing. Cool. Which also includes, which, you know, really interestingly, I'm trying to bring up the... And uh, really interestingly, like part of that involves a section, a part where of the game where you like set different boundaries, including like, you know, you get to decide what things you want to see in the game and what things you don't want to see, you know, including like what things they want to avoid or what elements they don't want included in the game. Like, you know, someone could say sexual violence is not cool and everyone will avoid that. You know, well, you know, that won't occur. And like, you know, during the discussion, you don't ask others to explain why they don't want certain elements in the game you just they say to you know just respect people's uh, decisions or like if someone they really don't want to deal with depending on where they're setting the game because it can't even take place in like you know early times in like the 50s or whatever you know and they say like you know people may or may not be comfortable addressing issues of racism or sexism or you know, they say too, like, if you're playing at home versus playing in public, keep that in mind. So there's a lot of really interesting, and they have like a mechanic for like, if, you know, someone actually brings up one of the topics of the game, or any part of the story is making you uncomfortable, you just simply knock on the table. And the person who's narrating just changes or goes backs up and changes to a different sort of narrative path or something. There's no, you know, no need to discuss like why or whatever. They just move the story in another direction. So there's really interesting stuff about like how to collaborate in creating the world to make sure everyone it's a safe space for everyone. Um, and then there's like a whole bunch of different things that you of questions that you you answer to like create the town or the the area that it takes place in like you know deciding like what your town is famous for what you know the industry in that town is you know how how the town is doing economically notable local landmarks or organizations or that sort of thing you know and each player creates sort of rumors about the town that can like okay build into that could be true they could be false but sort of build into the the world building of it. And then everyone gets to create characters and they have certain tropes that you can use to create characters or you can do like, or you can, you know, sort of create your own. Um, a lot of the the characters are obviously like kid or teen, but there are places for like, you know, you could have an adult as one of the, one of the players playing an adult. So you have like the brilliant mathlete, the bully, the conspiracy theorist, teen or adult, the funny sidekick, the laid back slacker, the loner weirdo. And certain tropes or certain and certain age groups have different sort of um, additions to their stats. And basically what you do is like, there's like six stats that you use, but instead of like picking a specific number for that stat, you assign a dice from like, you know, D6, D10, D4, D20, that sort of thing to that stat. And then you roll that dice for that stat. It's pretty cool. And there's actually, uh, there's actually an uh, Ashcan version of it available for download right now on the Hunter's Books site. And then if you want to hear people playing it, there's a podcast called The Danger Dice Gang. Okay. And they actually played a game based on the Ashcan version oh. of the of the game. It sounded really cool. And like, I would love to do this with our D&D group. Because <laughs> I would kind of love to have a game where like, we all kind of play versions of ourselves if we were living in this small town together during this time period and getting up to shenanigans. And some of us may have powers. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I got it. And then the other RPG that I am very interested in right now, whose Kickstarter has just started. Wow. 
and uh, has already blown way past their goal. Now that I yeah, the site. I was looking at it, and it's gone through a couple of the um, the extra like yeah extended goals yeah because uh, this started yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's called Good Society, a Jane Austen role playing game. <laughs> so yeah, it's an entire role playing game based around sort of Jane Austen Regency England, where like the whole thing is uh, you know the. The blurb for it says, navigate the pitfalls of romance, reputation, manners, and marriage in this tabletop RPG that captures the heart of Austin's work. And uh, their goal was $3,171 US. As of today, they've raised $27,458 and have so, 588 yes. backers. So in other words, yes. So yeah, this is... It's definitely going to get funded. Basically, in the game, you play characters, especially the kind that you might find in an Austin novel. And then what the... Basically, the the game can have a facilitator kind of DM, but it's actually more like group created. You know, really, you can do it without a DM. Um, and basically, they're, and each player has a character they play, but they can also um, sort of step in and play NPCs. And so you have your character role. Each character has like a family background. They have, you know, relationships that you decide. You can basically, there's basically, again, it's sort of collaborative world building where you, as the players, get to create that sort of world and create the characters and stuff like that. And it looks really fun. There is, um, they've been playtesting this game for I think they said two years in the in the Kickstarter video I was watching. And there's actually a oh, there's actually by look of it, there is two actual play versions now. There was just one when I looked yesterday. So there are two actual play versions of this. If you look uh on YouTube for Good Society RPG Live Play, that's the one run by the creators. And it looks like there's another one called A Manner of Speaking, M-A-N-O-R. And basically for this one um, there's a number of different levels you can back it at. You know, a lot of them include the PDF and PDF versions of the cards. You know, if you want, like, I think the hardcover book enters at like the like $56 Australian. Um, basically, this, the the creators are from Sydney, Australia. So that's what I think it's on the side here. About $44 US uh, to get the hardcover book as well as, you know, all the stretch goals and stuff like that. Um, but for all of them, basically, like, as soon as you back it, you get the quick start pdf so you can kind of start playing it like as soon as you back the as soon as you back the game it's not the That's full cool. version but it's it's enough to like get you started and familiar. get you started and get sort of a a quick version or a, a bare a, a slightly you know more pared down version of it which uh i kind of want to back this i, I really want to back this one <laughs> just because like dude it's a jane austen rpg that could be so much fun it could be very much fun <laughs> While we're in the area uh, of RPGs or tabletop, my Kickstarter for Unstable Unicorns arrived. Ooh. I am not going to open all of it because I'm actually sending this on as a present to somebody, but I opened one set. The idea is that you raise a unicorn army and turn on everybody else in the game. <laughs> It is, you will probably have seen a lot of the same artwork on T-Fury, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, see it? <laughs> One Glitter Tornado. <laughs> Some of the cards that we were talking about. Unfair Bargain. Re-Target. Oh, it's a little unicorn in a, in a slingshot. Yeah, we've got uni 
Unicorn Poison, Shake Up, Change of Luck, Unicorn Swap, Glitter Tornado again, Mystical Vortex, Sadistic Ritual. There are multiple expansion packs that include... There was a Not Safe for Work expansion pack uh, that Mm -hmm. involved, you know, I don't know if you know, but you're about to know, unicorns wearing bondage gear. And, you know, that's not a horn on your forehead. That's probably actually something else that's on your forehead, by the way. And, and looking, um, there's like a dragon dragons expansion pack, rainbow yeah, sprinkles it, expansion pack. There's also a uh, apocalypse expansion pack. It is hysterical. I really, really wanted to order the expansion packs, but you know what? Sometimes you got to choose between, you know, the basic expan the basic cards and you know, paying your electric bill, especially when it's right before Christmas. So, but. I still think it looks really cute. This is going to be a late Christmas present to some friends who are tabletop gamers. <laughs> and um, yeah, you can see the the first card on the Not Safe for Work pack is a wasted white unicorn. <laughs> oh, wow. I love, the t- I love the tagline for this. Build a unicorn army. Betray your friends. Unicorns yep. are your friends now. And going down to the bottom, you can scroll through some of the artwork. There are baby unicorns, unicorns with pumpkin spice lattes, unicorns <laughs> taking selfies. There are narwhals, which are the unicorns of the sea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have we have yet another RPG-related thing on here. It's winter. You're going to want to stay inside. Yeah, pretty much. Or, you know, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's going to be winter. You're going to want to stay inside. If people watch Critical Role and we're watching during the break after their first campaign before the second one started, they were doing a lot of one shots. And one of those one shots that people that they did was one called Honey Heist. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of a series of one page RPGs that are created have been created by Grant Howitt. Uh, Basically, what he's doing, you can find his stuff at Rowan Rook and Decard.com, which we'll link to it. And, uh, so what he's been doing is, if you go to the um, About Us page, it describes, you know, who they are. There's a, It's actually a group of people. But one of the things it includes is, uh, at the bottom of the page, there is a link to Grant's one-page RPG Patreon. So what he's been doing is, each month he's been creating an RPG that fits on one page. Basically, one page of, like, letter-sized paper. And if you support the Patreon, you get first access to the different one-page RPGs. They're free for download on the website. At higher levels, you get an actual like physical signed numbered copy of each game, which also includes not released online bonus content on the other side of the page. And a lot of the games are like just bonkers in the best way possible. I mean, if you guys if you guys watch Honey Heist, basically like there's a few things in Honey Heist that are it is sort of like based on like characters and stuff from Critical Role that you don't absolutely have to watch Critical Role to be able to play it. But there's a lot of games here that could go like either very serious or completely bonkers. Um, there's one called The Rapid and the Righteous, sort of based and the f- on the Fast and the Furious. There's one, the only one, I think the only one currently on the site that you have to, that you would actually pay for is called Goblin Quest, which it describes as a tabletop role-playing game about slapstick, slapstick violence, fatal ineptitude, and the greatest adventure of your life. And actually, one of the games that he has on here, The Witch is Dead, is one that I played with our D&D group. Yes! And I actually DM'd, and I didn't tell them what they were playing beforehand. Nope. 
they, you just told us, okay, you need to make two rolls. Tell me what they are. That's all you need to do. Don't yeah. do anything else. And we're like, dear? A lot of these RPGs, the the character creation is based on just like two things and you just roll for both of them. I mean, it's really bare bones uh, character creation. And basically in The Witch is Dead, <laughs> it's it's subtitle is an RPG about murder. But basically what it is, is once upon the description says, once upon a time, there was a kind and wise and beautiful witch who lived in the forest with her familiars and her life was peaceful and happy until a fucking witch hunter broke into her cottage and dragged her out and fucking murdered her. And now she's dead. But if you get revenge and kill him and bring his eyes to her corpse within a week, she'll come back to life. Or so you've heard. Even if it doesn't work, at least he's dead. So yeah, like all the characters are adorable woodland animals. Like you can be a fox or a cat or a toad, spider. I had really wanted to make little felt Christmas tree ornaments of all of us. but <laughs> Magpie. So to, it was so close to me leaving for Christmas. I was like, I can't, I can't get this done. I simply can't. Yeah. And then the, basically the, the witch has taught each animal like a really simple little like hedge magic sort of spell. So like unseen hand or like speak human or conjure dinner or make flame. And you even like roll to create the village. So you roll twice on a table and it's like, I think with our village, it was, um, where is it? Oppressively perfect and oppressively perfect, full of hardy mining folk, you know, or you roll for the, what the witch hunter is like. And, you know, we had jolly and well-meaning. And there's even a twist table you can roll on that the GM will roll on to to add a little twist to the story. And we had a ball. Yeah, we did. <laughs> playing this. Yeah, we did. I mean, I have to admit, part of the reason I I really wanted to to see you guys play like Woodland Animals because I thought you guys would let, enjoy it. And I also, also partly like I didn't tell anybody what we were playing because I wanted to see the expressions on your faces when well I played. immediately well the first time I said like, Margaret, <laughs> you're playing a magpie. You're a magpie. No, Margaret was a crow. Margaret was the crow. Melissa was the magpie. Yes, I was a spider. You were a spider. Marsha was a fox. Uh, Rebecca was an owl, I think. And Sydney was a toad. Yep. There were NPC raccoons. <laughs> and there was a witch hunter who was so much over it and who the party nearly killed. <laughs> Yeah. Oops. Before anyone remembered to, oh, hey, there was that whole thing about how I like sniffed to see if I could identify, un, you know, unfamiliar smells and I should sniff people to see if they match that smell. Yeah. Well, yeah, we nearly killed somebody. <laughs> yeah. Very nearly killed the wrong person. Um, and then there was like some, they were supposed to get the eyes of the person who killed the witch and they ended up like somehow decapitating them and burning down their house. So like, yeah, we took the whole head and left, um, the, left the, uh, the building in flames. And while everybody was running to it, we were running away and the poor fox lost a tail. Yeah. Yeah. The poor fox's tail got badly burned, but the witch kind of managed to fix it. There's God, probably some permanent so, scar scarring. No, that, but... that no fox should go without a tail. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of Especially that fox. We'd never hear the end of it. Oh, God, yeah. Daryl. Daryl. Hey. Hey, Daryl. <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> the witch hunter's name was Daryl. So, yeah. Like, I, I highly suggest checking out his games. They're, like I said, there's, there's a lot of, um, they're usually very simple, very easy to run, very easy to play. And there's a lot of room for you to go, like super serious or completely goofy you can kind of tell which way we we went okay last couple things one quick thing there was one pattern i was looking at that i really want to start soon is this your startitis 
Yeah, it's part of my start but I saw it and it's real gorgeous. It's called Bay's Edge and it's by Jennifer Weissman. And basically what it looks like you do is you knit a a triangle shawl with a feather and fan or some sort of like wavy edging. And then when you get to the base of the triangle, you just keep knitting the wavy part outwards, what turns into like almost a rectangle. It looks super cool. It's yeah. been done in, uh, it's published through Miss Babs and it uses uh, the Miss Babs gradient sets. So like if you have a gradient set, this would probably be super awesome. It's hard to describe in a way that makes sense over audio. So like definitely go check out the pattern. It is a stole. So it is definitely yeah. long and thin. Yeah, it's a stole. But you... it it looks like it is a truncated triangle as well. Yeah. From what, okay, from the description, it says it, it it's an eye-catching fingering weight wrap shaped like a rectangle with angled end. There you go. So it begins the same way as a top-down triangular shawl. Once it's deep enough, the two live sides of the triangle are knitted separately to create the two halves of the wrap. So it looks really neat, especially in the gradient. It would also look really cool in like an ombre. Yeah, it would. And you use, basically you use a gradient set and a plain or a solid, you know, or, or very light sort of tonal. And it looks so cool. I really want to do it. I am tempted to, tr- to try to start that next, but I have other stuff I want to start too. And then finally, again, if any of y'all watch Critical Role, you might've seen these t-shirts, but they're, they're kind of geeky or for RPG friends, RPG fans. And they're also just, some of them are just also kind of weird. Um, void merch at voidmerch.threadless.com v-o-i-d-m-e-r-c-h dot threadless.com they have a bunch of like D&D sort of related ones so like there's the the periodic tabletop elements which is like a periodic table for which has like all the classes from D&D listed as like period almost like elements from the periodic table and they have cool a cool one that has like all d20s one of which is red and is a one, uh, is actually a crit fail. Um, people may have, if people watch Critical Role, they, Matt this last week was wearing a Dungeon Master t-shirt that they have. And Liam has worn one that says verbal and somatic and material, which is spell components. Mm-hmm. They also have ones that have stuff on them like, my body is a temple, ancient and crumbling, probably cursed, harboring an unspeakable horror. I have seen that many times on Facebook and yes. Yes. Other ones, choke them on the ashes of the dreams they burned. Have you seen the built forward tough one? Yes. Yeah, there's a couple that are inspired by the new critical role. Sink your hunting mandibles into the throbbing neck of happiness. Leave me alone, I'm reading. The early bird gets an early grave. When the going gets tough, the tough turn to necromancy. (laughs) In space, no one will be able to hear you mansplain. Oh, that's a good one. Hex this mess. But yeah, so some of them are like, some of them are just like, you know, RPG related puns. And some are just like, okay. <laughs> They're just like, odd. There's one, your patriarchal show of dominance is in the next castle. Oh my God. There's one that just says, this is the worst timeline. <laughs> so yeah, some of them, like I said, some of them are just weird or odd. Some of them are sciencey related. They have a whole series about like brutalist architecture. Oh, and inspired by recent comment, there's one, there's ones now that say hell-bent feminist she-devil. Yeah, and I'm looking at it. So yeah, if you're looking for something particularly unique... Unique is what they got. Yeah. Alrighty. And I think that's it. Alright, people. Stay warm. Knit fast. Yep. As a, and as a reminder to everyone before we go, actually, because um, it bears repeating, you know, we do have a virtual knit night Google Hangout, usually 
most Saturday nights. Or like, you know, it's all the room is always available. It's on our Ravelry group. If you go to the the virtual knit night thread, it's usually at the top of the page. There's a link there um, to click on that will take you to the virtual knit night room. Usually like Maggie and I there are there Saturday nights between like 730 ish and like 10 ish depending on how many people show up, how many people are talking, that sort of thing. Eastern, you know, that's 7.30, 10.30 Toronto, New York time, basically. So just, you know, plug that into a time zone converter to find out what time that is for you. And even on nights that were not there, because like I know next week we're going to be playing D&D, you know, the room, like I said, the room is always there. So if people in other time zones that don't, that doesn't work for them, want to organize something, just post it in the VKN thread. But it's another way you can See us, talk to us, considering we don't seem to get our shit together very often and podcast. Especially during the winter. Yeah, speaking of resolutions for this year. Okay, maybe we gotta do that one. Maybe we should try and podcast more often. Yeah. Phrase being try and. We'll see Okay, how... and on that note, go up. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed their uh, sports ball. Yep, and we will talk to you again sometime soon, hopefully. Bye! Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes on iTunes or at our blog, where you can also see our show notes and comment. That's at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also find us on Twitter and Periscope at knit1geek2. You can contact us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com and search for a group on Ravelry using knit1geek2. There you'll find other knitters who enjoy geeky stuff that you can squeal along with, and also where you can find updates on new episodes. And remember, in space, no one can hear you squee.